Awesome. Okay, yeah, we're, we are we're recording. Okay, hello guys, my name is Thomas Brush, and I make indie games for a living. Most of you know that, but you might not know David. David also makes indie games for a living, and I was talking to David before we started the podcast, and I love how David is just sort of, he's, he's made it happen, he's made it work, and he kind of took the plunge. So David, tell me a little bit about yourself really quick, what you're working on, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Yeah. Hi. Um, uh, again, I'm Dave Morrow, and I'm working on a game called Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland. And it's, uh, it's a 2D hand-drawn platformer Metroidvania game. And uh, yeah, I, um, I've been working on it for a couple of years, and uh, just now I'm trying to raise some funds. I've got a Kickstarter running right now, and uh, we're aiming to release the game in uh, Q4 of next year. Nice, nice. It looks like your looks like your Kickstarter campaign is doing really well. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna really quickly give a breakdown of this podcast. Really, what I want to cover is how you know you you were probably doing pretty good at your previous job. Uh, yeah, <laughs> things were probably going pretty good for you. Uh, and w- do you mind telling where you were working? I was working at BuzzFeed. Okay, so you're working at BuzzFeed. Things were going good for BuzzFeed for a while there. And it sounds like life was good. And then all of a sudden you yeah. took this really kind of risky plunge into game dev. So I want to talk about that and how my audience, I mean, not everybody can do this, but how my audience can replicate what you're doing. Because it's so funny. The more people I talk to on this podcast, the more I realize people are making games full time. They're, they're funded full time before they even finish their games. So I want to talk about that. I'm going to run a quick intro really quick, David, and then we'll jump into that conversation. Great. By the way, guys, feel free to download my free 2D game kit below. It's totally free. It's my treat to you. I used this exact 2D game kit to make a game for PewDiePie in 14 days, and then I got to play it in front of his subscribers, which was really awesome. Um, so download that. Use it however you want. It's my treat to you. Yeah. Okay. Really quick, I did want to mention, guys, that the summer sale event is live right now. This is my summer sale event for full-time game dev. I have over 3,500 students, um, and I actually think, David, you're friends with Chris, uh, who's one of my students at Full-Time Game Dev. Um, it's 50, awesome. that's right, yeah, I mean, he's 50% off right now, and he's, you know, killing it. What, how much did he raise on his Kickstarter campaign? Oh, man, I, I know it was, like, well over $100,000. Insane, <laughs> absolutely really, insane. Brilliant. So it's it's 50% off right now, guys, and there's also a program called 2D Art Pro. It's my new program on how to do 2D art. I'm kind of revealing a lot of secrets. I feel weird about it, but like a lot of the stuff that I've learned about making 2D games and 2D artwork is in this program, 2D Art Pro. So be sure to check out the link below, guys. After the sale event ends, I hate to say it, but full-time game dev will be closing temporarily, so enrollment will be closed. So be sure to check it out if you're interested. All right, enough of the ad read. I'm going to jump right over to your Kickstarter campaign. I think it's really good to show right now your Kickstarter campaign. Tell me a little bit about the Kickstarter campaign. Um, yeah, I've been working on it for a while. Um, it, it's it's you know mostly me working on this, 
but it represents a lot of feedback from a lot of people, um, a lot of friends, strangers, um, various people like, uh, you know, Chris, um, you know, they gave me feedback early on on how to run this. And um, I just spent the most of like the better part of this year has been kind of like getting to this point. So it's, it's been a lot of work, you know, just like creating graphics, tweaking things, kind of making sure I'm telling the right story, putting together a trailer. Um, and these are all things that I had never had experience with. So I'm also any, anytime I'm doing something like video editing, that's me like learning how to do it for the first time baked in right. into it as, as a cost. But um, yeah, it's a, it's um, yeah, just, just trying to kind of paint a picture uh, of the game in, you know, animations and drawings and stuff as much as possible. And then, you know, a bit of text as well. This is, I'm looking at this Kickstarter campaign right now, man. This is like one of the best campaigns I've ever seen. Oh, like, thank you. The, the animated GIFs in the body content are super premium. Um, how long did you say this took to make this campaign? I, I've been working, like most of this year has been like focused on the campaign. I mean, that also represents like, you know, I go in and out of different things. Like um, I also put, put together a demo of the game to go out to content creators uh, oh, this yeah. year as well, but mm-hmm. like much of like my time, just like this year, has been focused not even on the game so much as just getting that that page together and looking um, as as good as I can make it. So, for those of you who are watching the podcast right now, you might be wondering why my screen is in like the Kickstarter campaign for some reason, dude, is in Dutch. I have no idea why, but <laughs> but what, what, that how problem my... with Kickstarter where it goes into another language rant. It's like if you looked at a dutch page before it suddenly is like locked have you ha, does it do that for you yeah i've had that happen before <laughs> i don't get it and it's always a different language um <laughs> so yeah for clarity here though forty-seven thousand one hundred twenty-three us dollars correct that sounds about right yeah. okay all right that's incredible yeah. dude i mean i'm really really proud of you so how long has the campaign been going um it's we're doing a short campaign only three weeks um and so it's huh. actually going to be over in seven days on, on June 30th. Um, so we're just shy of, it'll be two weeks tomorrow that it's been running. Uh, so, you know, this week has been kind of that lull that you, you get with Kickstarters that um, oh, yeah. we launched. Um, we had a really big launch, which was great because we actually um, were a part of the Day of the Devs event. Um, we are right. the, you know, one more thing reveal. And um, Peter Berkman, who's doing the soundtrack, he did a performance and um, that was like a little, you know, kind of show that uh, little performance video with some gameplay lay- uh, layered over top. And so I think we got a lot of people coming in from that. The followers I had accrued over the last, um, you know, year or so of pushing the Twitter handle. Okay. So, and, uh, so yeah. a couple things to clarify here. And, you know, this podcast is all about basically, you know, helping my audience know how to do what you're doing because yeah. dude, you've officially made it. You know, like you're at a position now where people are like, well, how do I do, how do I do what David did? You know, how, how do I replicate that? So my question is, were you full time before this campaign? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've actually been working full time for a couple of years on this project. How, how? I mean, I'm sure you have rent stuff like yeah. that. So what's it's, going on? Um, it's a kind of a combination of, yeah, like re- reducing living expenses as much as possible, right? Um, AKA the, the, the living in poverty. 
<laughs> but also, um, uh, it, I worked as an engineer for about a decade, you know, wanting to do this and thinking maybe someday I'll, you know, be able to afford to take the plunge. Um, so essentially it's just kind of like saved up enough to be able to like kind of invest in myself to, to take this plunge. Okay. Can you give a right, you don't have to tell us how much money you have, but can you tell us, uh, give us a recommendation? Uh, let's say, let's say you, we're not living in New York city, right? But like just a normal yeah. affordable city in America, what kind of savings should people have before they just like, and, I, and by the way, we're not recommending you take the plunge. I would never recommend anybody just quit their job to make games. But if they were going to do it, how much do they need to serve? Like, what what was that like? What did you decide on? Like, how much did you need? It, you know, it was just kind of like um, it was a gut feeling. Like my my kind of feeling is like, oh, it's never going to be enough. You know, like. I'll never have enough save to do it. And so it was more kind of about the time being right. Like I realized like I really want to do this and I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older. uh, So it's it's like, I, I kind of need to do this now. Um, But I think like, you know, for, for anybody else, I think what you would need to do is just um, I'm really good personally at budgeting and keeping track of my spending so if you're able to, you know, if you're, say, working a job right now and you kind of have enough money to get by, consider tracking your expenses and see how much you're saving, how much you could stand to save. Yeah. And then kind of you, you could start to put together a budget and understand what your annual expenses are. And then you'll be able to know, like, here's here's my runway. If I left my job right now and made games, here's how long I would have to make the game before I either had to sell it or seek more funding, uh, et yeah. cetera. Okay, so three questions for you. Um, it's going to spitball them really quick. How old are you? 41. 41. Okay, you you don't look 41. <laughs> you can't get see that the grays, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you look about 28, which is congratulations. Um, I know I look about 16, but... Um, so I, the second question, though, is... Um, what are you thinking? Like, th- I, I think my audience might want a specific number. Three months, four months of salary... Like what? Are you, what's what's the kind of feeling that you had? I I mean, for me, I was like, I want a I want a year at least of, okay. of being able to do this. And I because I've been working on this. I, I I think it would depend on what you're trying to do. I um I have this problem of like just kind of I I tried to rein in scope early on on what I was going to do because I know I'm going to over engineer everything and just kind of overdo it. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely spent way longer on this game so far than I meant to. Yep. And so I think you need to be prepared. I think that's the same story you're going to hear from a lot of other devs. You you constantly need to be like challenging yourself to, to cut down your scope and reduce how long things are going to take. Yep. So figure how long you want the game to take and then double or triple that for what you yep. need for your savings. Okay. That, that makes total sense. Now the third question is, I want my audience to know the majority. Oh man, this is hard to say. The majority of you, if everybody watching this video quit their job tomorrow, had enough in savings for a year, quit their job tomorrow and made a game, the majority of you would not make much money on your games. Uh, do you think that's true, David? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> don't, it's so don't sad, do but it. I want to be honest with my audience, you know? Don't do it with the hope of making money. That's like, <laughs> like I said, like it wasn't about like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I have this budget and here's how I'm going to make money doing game dev. It's like, 
look, I've always wanted to do this. I've been working for the last 10 years. Um, I think I could, I, I trust in my ability to try and make a game, right? And, and make enough to like scrape by. That's all I'm trying to do. Right? So it's like, you need, you need to have the interest to, to be willing to kind of take like what in my case, I'm sure will be like an absurd uh, salary cut, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, you just, you need to be, you need to, I don't know, not care that much about money and just yeah. want to, to do the, the game, you know, the game dev thing. If, if, if you guys, the audience, I'm uh, talking to the audience. If you guys want to know if your game is going to make good money, a Kickstarter campaign is a great way to know. Um, so from what I can gather, my estimation, and this is, I'm not a genie here, but my estimation is if you made 47, you'll probably end up at like 65 minimum. I mean, if yeah, that's what we're shooting. 65, $65,000 gross on your Kickstarter campaign. That means you'll probably end up with minimum 300,000 lifetime gross U.S. sales on Steam. That's, I'm just guessing based on my experience. So that's not bad. You know, it's like, hey, that's pretty good. You know, it's like six, that's six figures a year on, on, well, 70% of the 100%, they're going to take 30%, Steam is. Right. But that's like minimum, right? So it's like, that's pretty good. I think that, it's a great indicator of how your game is going to do, um, is Kickstarter. The second indicator is a publisher. So especially a publisher like Tiny Build. Like let's say Tiny Build sent you a, a contract for Little Nemo. Um, and they're like, we're going to give you 200 grand. They obviously think that the game is going to make that minimum. Now they're probably looking at, I'm, I'm going to make a, a guesstimate here. They want 2.5 times that at least. Um, on the game. So they're thinking, I don't know what that number is, but like 600 grand or something. I don't know. Um, so I'm just throwing random numbers out here just to give you guys <laughs> an idea that a publisher is another great way to know if your game is going to make good money. Even if they just send you an email saying, Hey, here's our, here's our budget uh, of what we think you, you were willing to pay you. That's a great, you don't even have to sign the agreement. You can just go, man, that's, that means my game is, they think my game is worth it, right? And the, the third, sorry, I'm rambling here, but the third, the third way to know if your game is going to be successful is when you have a social media audience. Um, they're going to be able to tell you just through clicks and through comments and engagement of your social media posts, you're, you're going to know if your game is marketable. And that's, ult- I mean, a good game, it's great to have a good game, but it's also good to have a game that's marketable. Um, so those are my sort of three ways to know if your game is going to be successful. So have you felt co- more confidence, David, now that uh, now that the Kickstarter campaign has done well? Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I think the first um, hint of confidence, like you were saying, social media. I, I I've had um, a Twitter going since I started working on the game, where I would just sort of like detail the stuff before I'd even announced, like, oh, this is a little Nemo game. Yeah, I would post videos from it. And there was just no reaction, right? Nobody cared about it. And it was always like slightly kind of um, <laughs> uh, difficult to, to work that. Like I kind of had to just kind of believe in it myself. And I was like, yeah. I think this will be good. And then once I started to, once I got to a point where the game actually started to look like I 
had it imagined it. Um, I, and I was able to start spending more time on Twitter and, and pushing that out. It started getting the kind of reaction that I think sort of made me more encouraged. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was like a, a big uh, boost of, of encouragement. It's like, you know, other people would, you know, see the, my Twitter and I'd be like, oh, I only have like, you know, a thousand followers. I don't know if that's enough. And, you know, people would tell me like, you're actually getting really good engagement off these posts though. You know, like I have X followers and don't see this good of an engagement. Yeah. So it's like that sort of stuff was like really helpful to sort of gauge um, that there was some viability. Yeah. Um, and, and especially like, you know, in terms of it, just how the game looks and appeals to people like at a glance, I think is, you know, going to say a lot about how you do ultimately, because that's such a big part of the, the marketing in the end, right? It's like, it yeah. has to, has to capture someone's attention, like at a glance. How cool would it be? Like, maybe you're not about to understand what I'm about to say, but I, I'm assuming Yoshi's Island is an inspiration. Oh yeah, okay. yeah for sure. <laughs> how cool. <laughs> more, it- more very for, much for the visuals more so than the gameplay even. Right. Yeah. Right. How cool would it be if like a genie came up to your house and he was like, or your apartment, he was like, he's like, I can send you an email list of everybody who loves Yoshi's Island. Like, can you imagine? You'd make a million bucks on the first day. And that's the thing. That's the thing about these kind of games is we're so lucky to be 40 years into the game dev industry, or at least 30. I mean, it's what, when it was 1980 was when it started, I think. So we're like 40 years into this. So we have the ability to go, I'm just going to make a game that looks like X because there's a built-in audience that was already built. <laughs> it was already there. And so you get to access that audience. The trouble is you got to find it, right? Yeah. So yeah, how has that is, been, the audience building? Um, It's tough. I, I kind of, it's something I'm not good at. I'm trying to get better at. And so most of my time marketing the game is spent just kind of like tweeting it out and trying to let it get carried through organic traffic. Um, but I've definitely had people tell me tips like, oh, like, you know, yeah, like go search like on on Twitter, like search Yoshi's Island and go find those posts and like them, you know, just to kind of so people see what you're doing, yeah. you know, like um, the the little Nemo community, like find them. And and um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 very difficult. Like, yeah, like you said, if there were a genie, I would I, I, yeah. I think that would be. A huge uh, boost, yeah. Just because it's that's that's most of what the um, the marketing battles like, like getting people to see it, but also getting the right people yeah. to to see it, and then for them to like, you can make something that that people will recognize, and you know, like what I'm trying to do is let people recognize, oh, this looks like like what I imagined an NES game looked like, or like this looks like the 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 art from the instruction manuals of an NES game, like brought yeah. into the game. Yeah. Like that's what I want people to see and to kind of get a hint of. Um, you know, like Capcom platformers and Yoshi's Island and yep. Super Mario and all of that. But like, then from there, you also have to get those people to see it, which is, yeah, very, very difficult. I, I think it, it involves just like, like getting help also, like, mm-hmm. like talking to other people that know how to know about these things and also just being involved in different communities yourself, like, like online communities. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, I love it's how tough, you but... said, this is how I imagined these classic games to look. The reason that's funny to me is because me and my brother, we recently booted up Yoshi's Island on Super Nintendo and Donkey Kong. And it's like, 
these games are so bad. Like they're great <laughs> games, obviously, and they're really fun, but they're they're rough. I mean, the the funny thing about those games is we we got to make better games because people's yeah. <laughs> attention span is so much lower because well, I mean, like Yoshi's Island to buy that game, I think it was like sixty bucks in the nineties. I'm not yeah, so sure, probably. but I think it was like pretty. Yeah, expensive. the Super FX two chip in it, right? So it was probably pretty expensive, right? And that's crazy. Like game prices haven't really changed. I mean, they've actually they've gone way down. Like you're, I'm assuming you're going to do fifteen yeah. to twenty dollars for this game. Yeah, yeah, probably twenty dollars target. Yeah, and when when you spent sixty bucks on on a cartridge. And that was like the only game you played. You better beat that game. I mean, especially my parents are like, you better, you better beat this game because I just spent 60 bucks, which is like the equivalent of like a hundred bucks now or something. So, so there was a lot, (laughs) those games, they, they got away with a lot of garbage. Um, obviously clearly they're innovative and amazing, uh, technological feats, but, the standard is much higher now and uh it's clear like with your game here i'm looking at something that's much prettier than yoshi's island honestly is it hand drawn oh, <laughs> yeah it's all i i draw it all um i've got my ipad right here on my desk actually you can just kind of see the corner of it um i draw everything in an app called procreate which i highly recommend by the way it's ten dollars if you have an ipad with an apple pencil um it's such a nice app, and I do all the animation and everything you in said there. Procreate, yeah, yeah. Okay, Procreate. I'm gonna pull that up really quick so my audience can see that. Yeah, big, big recommend for that software because you know I bought this. You know, again, getting the budgeting, I, I, I got this iPad um, with the Apple Pencil on on eBay used for I think like 250 bucks. Spent ten dollars on software. There's my art pipeline. Like that's that's how I do all the drawing and animation. I mean, I'll be honest, dude. That sounds time consuming, but it's it's paying <laughs> yes. off. I mean, it, your game looks incredible. It's worth it. It's not that it's not worth it. It's it's kind of a big risk. I'll be honest. It's a big risk. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Because like like I said, I've been I've been working on this for a while, and there's um I you know I'm shooting for end of next year because there's still I like you know I have the tech and everything. Like I have a game there, but there's just so much drawing and animating I need to do. Yeah, that, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next year. Okay, so we've got a, a like a. You said you're really good at budgeting. Are you good at scheduling? And how how's how's your skill with milestones and all that? Um, you know, I I feel like I'm pretty good at that, but it's actually something I try not to do too much of. Wow. Um, because um, I the way I approach this is like the the whole like full time game dev thing is like i need to ensure i don't get sick of this and that i don't like get <laughs> sick of the project yeah and so i try to always make sure i'm like enjoying it and i'm working on something fun so i do a lot of i do a lot of jumping around between things and so i try to kind of like work on whatever i want to work on right then yeah um that's not always achievable like this year has just been like going really hard on the kickstarter campaign and marketing um, but you know, most of the time I'd be like, you know what? I really want to work on like the save system for the game. So I'm just going to go build that because that sounds really fun to do right now. And that's, that's how I'm able to like keep it fun and fresh and like work on this for a few years, like basically with my head down, like <laughs> with very little feedback, um, yeah. which I think, you know, um, talking to friends of mine who seem like mystified 
that I'm able to do that, I, I think maybe isn't, isn't for everyone. And also like, if I, if I were trying to like be really good about scheduling, like, like, you know, treating this as if I were working back at my, um, you know, working at a, as an engineer where, you know, we have all the, the sprints and, you know, you have these cards you have to drag through the Kanban board. I do use like a Kanban board, but I'm, I'm not like, what kind of board is that? Say that again. Uh, oh, sorry. A Kanban board. It's like, it's kind of like where you take, um, stickies and move them through columns like you have a sticky that's oh, a like, task and you're like okay this is in to do and now i'm working on it and now it's done like, okay so let's let's across. type that in i'm gonna search i've never heard the oh, word k-a-n-b-a-n K-A-N-B-A-N. okay i believe it's like a japanese word yeah i wonder if my my audience is probably like, thomas is so stupid that he doesn't know i this. think that comes out of like uh toyota like um okay so it's like, like monday.com Monday. Yeah, dot, think Monday.com so, yeah. is one. Yeah, like Jira, Atlassian, that sort of also stuff. Also, UpClick, I think, ClickUp. UpClick, yeah. Yeah, ClickUp. Click up, click yeah, up. that's one. That's the one that uh, I'm going to start using is ClickUp. Um, yeah. So these are great. I mean, this is so important. And it, some of you listening might this you just glaze over and you're like, I'm not interested. But this going to like, okay, let's say you make $100,000 on a Kickstarter campaign. This will ensure using a Kanban board, it's going to ensure that you don't go over budget and then suddenly find yourself some maybe in debt or in debt to your Kickstarter backers or in debt to a publisher. And by debt, I just mean you have a game that's not completed. You have no money. How are you going to finish it? Right. The, when you have everything laid out like this, it's super duper important. So I totally agree that 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 uh, this is this is a necessary. It's kind of an evil, like a necessary evil. It's not fun, um, yeah, but it's important. Yeah, I also and one other one that a lot of people might use if assuming you're using GitHub for um, yeah, oh yeah, for for your code, they have this built in uh, called projects. I think you might have to have a paid account, but no um, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like really, it's it's great for if it's just like one or two people where. It doesn't have a lot of details, but if you just need to write things on a post-it and drag it through columns, yeah. GitHub has that as well. Is it, co- but, is it uh, source graph? No, it's not source graph. Let's no, it's, it. it's part of the projects. Um, I forget what it's Project what it's boards? Hmm. Project boards, that's it, yeah. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, so I, I that's how um, I've mostly done this sort of stuff. Ooh, um, oh, okay, I'm looking at it right now. It looks a lot like Trello. Yeah, yeah, Trello. It's another one, right? Sweet. I think it's a little little more bare bones, right? You're not going to get the features, but those those are designed for large teams. And if you're if you're just like making a game with you and maybe a friend, mm-hmm. then something like this might be, you know, yeah. Um, if you already have a paid account, okay. So let's let's really quick jump to to production, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know. I know I understand your art method, um, but let's talk about software and code assets. I'll yeah. just sort of give you the floor. Yeah. Um, this is this is like the stuff I actually enjoy the most. Yeah, I think uh, people tend to get surprised because you know it's like clearly I've spent a lot of time on the art of Little Nemo, um, but the I, I care a lot about like the quality of the, the code as well, making it making everything like feel really good and like be snappy, precise, um, as bug free as possible, um, and um, and actually. You know, when when I made this um, this demo for content creators, I had some some bugs in it that popped up right away, um, and because uh, I <laughs> hadn't really done user testing, so I was inadvertently making user tests out of the content creators. Um, but the nice thing was, like, I I was able to fix those 
right away because um, I have kind of focused on building out a scale, like like a a scalable solution um, within Unity. So I use Unity, um, and I'm using just kind of give like the, the ground floor of everything. Yeah, yeah. Like URP, so their universal rendering pipeline. Um, I use Shader Graph to do the shaders, and I'm using Visual Studio Code, um, which will come. I think that comes bundled with it uh, for all the you know writing of of scripts and code and stuff. Um, and uh, I'm also using uh, a one of one of the critical pieces of software I use is called Rewired, okay. which um, I'm a big fan of Gamepad support, and that is something. It's it's, it's something you can just plug in. What's that? It's an asset from the asset store. Yes, this is an asset store. Okay. I think it's like sixty bucks, and you get like just out of the box support for basically any controller you can imagine. I've got it it's, pulled it's up really here. Nice. Um, Forty-five bucks. Cool. Seventy seven hundred sixty-three five-star reviews. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I know Unity has recently overhauled yeah. their input. They have system, and I, I haven't actually used that yet. Um, it seems like it's probably much more in the right direction, but. This just the rewire does a lot of stuff um, out of the box for you. I think that'll make it really nice. Um, so that's that's kind of like my uh, programming context. Um, and then, yeah, I just um, I've I've probably over engineered a lot of the game. Like a lot of the stuff I would do, or a lot of the stuff I've done is exactly what I would tell like somebody else not to do. Right. And I've done it because it's like I was saying, like, this is how I keep it fun for myself is, <laughs> is um, like something that's like kind of silly. And like you would, you know, if you're playing the demo for Little Nemo, you would have no idea this is the case, but like, it's, it's all like a custom physics solution that I've built. Um, and that Dude, was because you are I, I like wanted my that worst enemy. Fine. Seriously. Like, <laughs> I worked with. Uh, by the way, it, it, it's actually no, it's, do it's this, actually a compliment. Do okay, so hold on. So you're, you're my worst enemy. I worked with someone just like you on Never Song, like identical to <laughs> oh, you. And oh, no. he and I butted heads so much because I'm like, why do we need a custom physics engine? Why? And he's like, well, so it, it makes it scalable, and like I can actually make more in the long run. And I'm just like, no, let's just download a character controller and call it a day. But he was right. He was right. It turned out that it was very, very much worth it, especially financially for that game. Um, so it's it's hard for me. My brain is like, let's get it done. You know, I'm like right. all about getting things done. Uh, so I, I, I find it it's funny, and it, but it's a good thing. You know, you've got what is it? This is probably a terrible example, but like Captain Kirk. Is that Kirk and Spock? They're totally different people. Oh, right. <laughs> they're totally different people, but they're the yeah. dream team, right? Um, yeah. So that that's we would probably make a great game, you and I, but we would probably <laughs> be pissed at each other the whole time. <laughs> no, because I think I would agree with you. Because like, really, the right <laughs> the right solution, in my opinion, was like do it the quick and actually what I and this is true to, to in in some ways. Like, I did start with the default Unity solutions, and I grew into my own physics solution as I wanted to work on it, right? Like I said, like that was for me to keep it fun. And, um, but I think ultimately, like, like you were saying, it, it does, that is one of those things, like I, I don't recommend it. I think it depends on like what level of polish you're going for in the game. And yeah. I think, um, and, and how difficult it is to get there. Cause you can, you could probably get there with like the, the default, um, you know, like physics solutions that Unity offers. Um, but if you really want fine, 
controls over every little detail. And you want to be able to go in and make changes without like creating a lot of side effects. That's one of those things where you just kind of have to have a code stack that you've built yourself and you understand um, for you to be able to make those changes and know like, okay, I can change this and it's not going to break everything else. Okay. So let me ask you this then. Which which shader graph is an example? Do you feel like shader graph you really need to use? Like should, should my audience be like, oh, I guess I got to learn shader graph to make a 2D game. Is that one of those things where it's like, maybe I could get away with not using it? Yeah, absolutely. You don't you don't need shader graph. I mean, honestly, you don't need any shaders. You 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 can just like if you're just making a 2D game, just use like the the 2D lighting and use the default lit and unlit shaders that come for your that like come you know baked in with Unity and and um, you can make something that looks amazing. If you want to start getting into like cool effects and stuff, um, like I have this um, this material in little nemo that's called the oblivion and i needed that to look is it the space yeah yeah it kind of looks like outer space but it's got like parallax layers so some some of the layers look as if they're like closer to the camera than than the material itself is and so if you want to do anything like that you you might want to get comfortable with shader graph and what i would say is like i you know it's not for everybody but like i had a lot of fun learning that like i had zero shader experience you know like again i'm coming into all of this stuff fresh just like with my kind of like engineering uh foundational understanding but um i knew nothing about shaders really so um learning shader graph was was a lot of fun i really enjoyed that okay let's talk really quickly about um the 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 thing that baffles me and is kind of giving me a panic attack right now is these animations um (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your animation process? Because I'm, uh, I'm a tweening guy. I'm like, a, I need a bone. I need bones. I want to manipulate my single sprite, my mesh. I don't want to do sprite animation. And this is frame by frame sprite animation. So can you tell me a little bit about this? How like how do you keep everything scaled properly and uniform? Yeah. It's um. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for this in that like the answer is like it's really hard, right? Like it's it's a lot of work. I don't recommend anyone does it. Like um you know, I think th- there's a reason that like these tweening and skeletal animation tools exist is because um they're they're really great um both in terms of like like it's easy to learn how to use them and um and build animations with them, but also like if you need to go and say like oh, actually that animation was wrong. I need to go like tweak it you you know you just move the bone a little bit and then mm-hmm. you you fix your animation that is a wildly different <laughs> proposition if you've hand animated everything um so you, you kind of I, I need to go in um i i it took a while to kind of like settle on everything so for the longest time my game was like very kind of sketched in yeah. everything was just kind of like thrown in i would scale them however um but ultimately i what I needed to do was kind of settle on a like pixels per unit target. And I stick to that. And I try to, you know, sometimes it's, it's fine to fudge things a little bit, but generally I try to draw my assets targeting a specific, you know, pixels per unit, which allows me to make sure like line widths are consistent through different sprites and background elements and such. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, I just, I, I use, again, like Procreate or, you know, I'm sure there's, if you have other animation software you're comfortable with, um, you, you just kind of like sketch in the animation and draw each frame, you know, one at a time. It's, it's very time consuming. <laughs> um, but I, you know, the reason ultimately I did that is I, um, I just really enjoy it when other games do that. And I was like, I love that. I want to do that. And I think the game that really, really sold me on this was the um, the Dragon's Trap remake by Lizard Cube. Which, Say that one more time. Dragon's Trap. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, the Dragon's Trap. It's okay, a it's I'm a remake. It <laughs> um, it's it's a Wonder Boy three. I think um, remade. Uh, it's uh, like on the Nintendo Switch um, and and other consoles, but uh, the company Lizard Cube gotcha. produced that. Okay, I've got it pulled up here. Yeah, it's just like gorgeous hand animations at like, you know, between 15 and 30 frames per second. And um, yeah, I was like, I want to, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be as good at animating as, as Ben Fique, who's the, the artist there. But, um, you know, he's a professional. I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I have a degree in painting, but I don't, you know, I'm not a professional artist. Uh, your, your game so. looks very similar. You, you've done a very good job. Thank you. That's, that's like um, every once in a while, someone will bring that up, and it's like the biggest compliment for me <laughs> if, they, if they see that. Well, in there. you know, we're you and I, and most game developers, we're really good at tearing ourselves down and underselling ourselves. You know, I, yeah. even now, I'm surprised when I get an email from a publisher, and they're like, "Hey, we might want to buy your game," and it's like. I'm so surprised. Like, really? I thought my game was crap. And they're like, of course it's not crap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's really easy to undersell yourself. And that's a problem because, like, if you ever got approached by a publisher, dude, you need to make sure you're getting top dollar because your game looks great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's important to, like, know, you know, how valuable you are because, like, I, I haven't had a lot of conversations with publishers, but I, I know you know, if I choose to, to go that route of, of, uh, getting a publisher versus like doing it all independently is like, yeah, I'll, I'll need to go in kind of like understanding the value of the game and make sure I'm not, you know, getting, you know, that I'm, that I'm getting like the best deal that I can. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I, you know, I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think you've done a great job here. I think that that pretty much wraps up the podcast uh, is there anything else you wanted to share i mean I, really quick before you share anything i just want to tell my audience go support little nemo on kickstarter uh the link is below and uh i believe by the time we post this podcast man i'm thinking well let's let's figure out okay how many days do you have left right now we're at eight days you have eight days left so yeah. what i'll do yeah this will probably go live on like the last second to last day of the campaign is that okay yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so if, hopefully you'll get a people little... can see it before it's over. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I, uh, so yeah, I, I got a little podcast schedule, so I, I got to make sure I have room for other podcasts. But yeah, uh, guys, support uh, Little Nemo on Kickstarter. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the audience, David? Um, you know, I, I think, again, I'll kind of like, <laughs> just kind of say like, I, I think the route I've, taken is kind of a, a strange one and like i would i would do a lot of things differently to to continue to reign in scope i think in setting out to make this game i was thinking like i'm gonna spend a year to make a game and now i've been working on it for a few years um so just <laughs> keep that in mind like you're it's 
even even though people were drilling into my head, this is going to take longer and be, you know, more difficult than you realize. I still, you know, even while trying to cut scope, still yeah. had this problem. So like, um, you know, I base this on public domain to, to reduce the scope in terms of trying to need to come up with new IP. I, uh, you know, tried to work in an established genre, so I didn't need to spend too much finding too much time finding the fun. Um, and still it's just, um, you know, I managed to make it take a really long time. So just, um, you know, I think be really critical of your plan and, and just know it's going to take a lot longer and be a bit more difficult. So prepare for that. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's definitely a good idea. It's a lot like construction. Um, it's kind of a random tangent here, but me and my wife were looking at building a house and the builder was like, you're going to need a $70,000 slush fund, meaning it might cost $70,000 more than what we budget. And that's especially true now just because of the economy and, and supply and demand yeah. issues. So, or uh, supply issues. So point being the same is true with your game. You, you kind of need a slush fund. You need to go, yeah, I can get it done in a year. But maybe give me six extra months. Give it to yourself. Just this sort of margin of error because it all adds up slowly. Yeah. Yeah. My original plan was to just get this game out completely self-funded, not even do a Kickstarter. And it still, you know, took long enough that I was like, okay, I should, I need to start looking at some funding. And um, I mean, part of that was also bringing other people on board to help and being able to pay them. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was also just like, I'm, taking too long with this and I need some, you know, I need those funds to like kind of help get this across the finish line. So cool. yeah, have your, have your slush fund ready, yeah, or at least fund, if you right. don't have a, have a plan to, to, you know, generate the funds you need. Yeah. All right, buddy. This is amazing. You're doing a great job. It looks beautiful. So One of the Thank best you. Kickstarter campaigns I've ever seen other than my campaigns. It's great. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I was actually looking at it and I was like, man, he, he's just <laughs> destroying, destroying my campaigns. It's really good. So anyway, I'll let you Thank go, you. man. I'm going to run an outro here. Uh, and then okay. I'll see you on discord after this call. Okay. Great. All right. See you in a second. Right. Get over here. Hey, thanks for watching. By the way, if you haven't downloaded that free 2d game kit below, click below. It's my treat to you. I used this game kit to make a game for PewDiePie in 14 days and I actually got to play it with him in front of his audience, which is really cool. This game kit is totally free. It's my treat to you and you can use it however you want. You can make a commercial game and make a million bucks off this game kit. I don't care. Or you could just use it for a hobby project. It's my treat to you. And by the way, if you haven't clicked like, that would mean a ton to me. Hit subscribe. And also, this is important. Hit that notification bell. Here's why. If you get notified of when I'm live, you can watch me make my next game and let me know in the chat what you think about the game or any ideas you have, and you might just show up. Your chat might just show up in the next video that I upload. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. I love you too.